Welcome to Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders, and more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Music Matters, uh, a podcast series about all things music. Um, today, we have a special guest, um, Billy Joel Protégé, I guess I would say, is uh, Michael Cavanaugh, who's one of the world's busiest uh, symphony performers. Um, has been touring the, the country and the world, actually, since, I guess, 2005. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. But uh, hello, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Daryl? I'm good. So we're actually both in Vegas. We are. <laughs> we're just actually and actually almost in the same part of Vegas. So you're like right at the street from me, but we're going to do our close. Zoom. Yeah, doing our Zoom, uh, our Zoom meeting boogie. Um, so when when did you first move to Vegas? I moved to Vegas the first time in '99. Okay. In '97, I started doing gigs here uh, at the the Dueling Piano Bar at the New York New York Hotel and Casino. Right, which is still going. Well, I don't know if it's going strong right now, but it's still right. up and running. Right? Yeah, it's still kind of the heartbeat of that casino. It, it really yeah. is. But, you know, back in, I started doing the dueling piano thing in like 1994 right. uh, in Florida. And basically the, the gig in Vegas was more money. And back then I was just, I was scraping by. I was just trying to yeah. pay my bills back then. So I would fly out whenever another guy would take a vacation and I would do the gig just because it paid more. And then eventually sure. when a spot opened up, I, I moved here in 99. Where are you from originally? Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland's, you know, I mean, that's, it's really is the home of rock and roll, right? That's that's the uh, the beginnings. We like to think so. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's funny. When we got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I, I was so excited. But I was talking to friends of mine from Memphis and they were so angry. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Who's from Memphis? And they're like, oh, yeah. Elvis, Jerry Lewis. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> so honestly, you know, I'm happy yeah. we have it. it. You know, the the rock and roll, the, the phrase was coined by a Cleveland DJ, but right. Um, yeah, Cleveland is a, it, it's a great city uh, as far as a lot of great musicians. Right. But uh, you know, unfortunately, there's there's just not a lot of work there. There's not a lot of opportunity there. So uh, did you? Um, when did you first start playing piano? And I started playing when I was seven. I would have started earlier. The the first thing I played was uh, I wanted to be a drummer. Ah. And, and I, didn't, it's didn't funny. we all? <laughs> You know, just the drummers are the coolest, right? You get to make the most noise, right? Exactly. So I had a snare drum, and when you when you mention noise, it's funny because I, I my parents bought me a snare drum when I was like five. And wow. I, I would I would literally those were some very sticks. supportive supportive parents. Well, yes, they were. But a magic one day, magically, the snare drum disappeared, and I still don't know what happened to it to this day. So, ah, okay. So the I think they're thickens. like, that's too loud. I was breaking sticks, and when I would break sticks, I would use Lincoln logs as as my sticks <laughs> it was a thick right. right so those are even yeah. louder uh and then you know my 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 brothers played guitar and stuff so but my mom bought a piano for herself when i was seven and oh. i just attacked the thing all all you know the first day i was all over it trying to learn songs and write songs and kind of yeah there. that's exciting so, so you're sort of from a musical family to begin with right i am from a musical family i'm the only one who was crazy enough to try to make a living at this but you know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 an interesting road, right? That's the yes, whole professional. It's the musician. only road for us though. It's the only road. Yeah. Yeah. It's kinda like, you know, that's the thing. Like I always tell people like like they ask me about you know their kids being wanting to be a professional musician and that kind of thing. And I'm like, if you can't dis if you can't possibly dissuade them from that, that's the only time they should really pursue it <laughs> because it's so challenging, right? Yeah. Well, you know, my daughter, she's she's 
so talented and, you know, tremendous yeah, great, singer. Great per singer. Thank yeah. you. Perfect pitch, you know, and she's never really put a lot of time into learning instruments, but the little bit of time she puts in, it just comes right to her. My son, the same way on guitar. Yeah. And, but I don't know if they, they've seen, they've seen what it is. Like, you know, you have to have thick skin. You have right. to, you know, because if you get a hundred compliments and then one guy tears you down, what's the one thing you're going to remember? Yeah, and and as artists too, I mean, we tend to be sensitive to that stuff, even though we try to pretend like it doesn't matter. It sort of does, and that's it, one of the things absolutely. with social media. Yeah, the social media thing has really brought that to the forefront, right? Man, well, the social media thing and and the performing live on on YouTube and and Facebook, right. it's yep. it's it's weird. Like if somebody requests a song. You know, back in the piano bar, somebody wrote it on a piece of paper, and yeah. I could read whatever I wanted to, really. And hopefully now, they give you a $10 bill to... <laughs> yes, you know, yes. Right. Yeah, otherwise, I sometimes I, I just couldn't see it. Oh, sorry, I can't read it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, on the way the way I'm doing it now with all the gigs being gone, if somebody wants to hear something or wants to say something, everybody sees it, you know? So right. it's, it's a different dynamic, yeah. and it's... It, it, yeah, it, and it's easy to th sort of throw stones when you're a little anonymous, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, we know that. We all know that story. Yes, so, um, so moving from Cleveland to Orlando, that that must have been a big move. Obviously, it was was it was the Blazing Pianos is where you were performing, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that is that Disney World or where is that at? It was actually owned. It was half owned by uh, Universal Hard Rock Cafe at the time. Oh, okay. And uh, the way I got that gig, actually, I was, I was on my honeymoon in '93 in Cancun, Mexico. Oh, and nice. at that time, I was just a struggling musician around Cleveland, just trying to doing everything from a single, a duo, a trio, a band, sure. whatever it took. Right, the to, stuff to, that we do, yeah, <laughs> we do, yeah, what we still do, right. Uh, and I'd never really done the dueling piano thing before. I heard about it, and it was it was really big in the '90s. I mean, it was yeah, it was massive. really rocking and rolling. Yep. It was massive. So. I see this dueling piano bar sign when we're walking around Cancun, and I say to my wife, you know, I don't want to do anything business here, but for some reason I, I see an opportunity light flashing. So we go in, we're listening to these two guys play, and yeah. I've never in my life gone up, never up to that point and never since, gone up to a professional musician and said, hey, can I sit in? Because it drives me nuts when somebody says that I know, that yeah, to we've, me. All, we've all experienced that. Right, when you don't, when you don't know them <laughs> from know Adam, them. right? Yeah, right, exactly. So... But for some reason, that, that came that came to play a huge part of your career later. But we'll get there in a minute. It did, right? Yeah, it did. So, yeah. so I go up to him and I I go up to the one guy. I said, "I'm on my honeymoon. Do, do you mind if I sit in?" And he looks at me like, "Okay." <laughs> it, 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 we're really good friends now, right? We're really good friends. Oh, it's funny. So, That's good. so I sit in and I think I play like just the way you are or something. And because mm -hmm. of my honeymoon, and, and they love it, and they and they say, "Hey, can you do another one?" And I do Crocodile Rock. Right. And now, like it's now they're they want to they want me to stick around and they want to talk to me about moving to Mexico and doing the gig with them. Wow! I've, yeah. I've been married now for a few days. <laughs> and, and I, hey, and honey, I was, let's move to Cancun, which actually is not a bad thing. But <laughs> no, it, you know, Depending, it had excitement uh, to it because Cleveland right. winters are no fun. But yeah, exactly. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready sure. for that. But we we kept in contact, and that guy um, wound up, you know becoming somewhat of a player slash agent. And he moved to Orlando to, to open Blazing Pianos. And he called me a year later and said, hey, do you want to come to Orlando? Yeah. And we decided, not that we ever, well, I never really wanted to leave Cleveland. My wife was, was fine because she hates winter so much. I knew, I, <laughs> I knew that if I, I said to myself, if I'm not willing to leave now, I'm never going to leave. And, right. And I'm going to be, 
you know, 65 years old, playing in a VFW, it, it, you know, yeah. and th there's nothing wrong with that, but I knew I wanted to try to accomplish more. Yeah, you're young and you're just starting out and you want to, you got, you got some fire under you. Right? Yep. So we, so we left and we did the Blazing Pianos gig. I did that for four and a half years wow. in Orlando and then, you know, eventually yeah. went out to Vegas. So how did, how did the Vegas offer, the New York, New York thing come about? It's sort Actually of the, the same, same guy, or? same guy oh. that got me the gig in Orlando. His yeah. name's Van Wall Raven. And uh, he's still he's still a good friend, and uh, he came out here for the same reason. It was another opportunity, and it was it mm -hmm. was, more, it was better bread. Yeah. So and I, uh, I think that that's, that's like the importance too, like especially for younger musicians that might be watching this. The the importance of first of all being nice, and then making those connections, because yeah. I have friends like you do that that I met thirty years ago that I'm still working with, and that's oh, so yeah. important. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, and I would say being nice and just tell the truth. Yeah. You, you know, it's, yeah. If you can, if you can bring it, and you've got, you've got the goods, then, you know. Yeah, you know, and I've I've heard people tell me stories, and then they'll tell me the same story again, and has a different ending. Right. And whenever that happens, it's not like I'm not going to be their friend anymore, but I put a little mark next to their name, like yeah, they're a little bit of a BSer. The credibility so, factor. Yeah. So if I need a guy for a gig and I've got two guys and one's a little bit of a BSer and the other guy's straight shooter, I'm probably going to go with the straight shooter. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good life lesson in general, right? Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> we all have those those certain checkmark people. Doesn't make them bad people, but no, and they might be tremendous players. Right. Right. But you got to play well with the other children. Yeah. 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 That's that's very true. So mm -hmm. when you um you were at New York, New York, and um. That was, I guess, 1999, like you mentioned. And then 2001, um, you had a, a guy that wanted to sit in with you. So tell us that story. I did, yeah. <laughs> some guy. Some guy. Some, some, some guy that's guy, been yeah. my musical hero my whole life, yeah. Well, it started with uh, his tour manager, Max Lubier, became friends with a guy that was managing me at the time. So Max decided, at that point, he wanted to, to kind of stretch out his... His business a little bit he wanted to work with some other artists he'd been working with with this person we're talking about billy joel uh right. for, for a long time which is so, a pretty pretty good gig to be a, a guy as, as a manager of that guy pretty good gig pretty, <laughs> pretty good, good gig, gig. Yeah. yeah so uh so he max came out to see me and i was of course nervous as can be and, and max and i sure. got along really well and and we decided we were going to try to do some work together awesome uh yeah so and he was saying, you know, maybe I can get you hooked up with, with Phil Ramone, which did wind wow. up happening later down the road. Right. Uh, but, you know, we just became friends and we stayed in touch and he wanted to hear my original music and all that stuff. So hmm. a couple of months later, Billy Joel was coming into town uh, for a concert. And I knew about that and I was just hoping to get a backstage pass, maybe shake his hand one time. Sure. Th that to me would have been like... Yeah, because he's like, I mean, he literally was a childhood hero to you, right? Yes. Like, started off, yeah. Literally right, yeah. was. I used to camp out in the snow to get tickets. I literally did. Wow. I literally awesome. did that. Yeah. And uh, and that was, and I wasn't a kid. I mean, I was I was already married when I did that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. My wife stayed in the in the in the running car with with the heat, you know. And I but was, I mean, like, you know, the thing is, especially a singing piano player, Billy. I mean, he's sort of like. The, the guy right pretty t him and elton right i mean it's yeah, yeah sure it, it's it's pretty it's pretty tough but billy was always my number one yeah. and so billy was coming to town for a concert and it turned out he was in a couple days early i wasn't aware of that but he had a show in phoenix yeah i, I think the show the, the vegas show was on a friday saturday and he had a show in phoenix like on a tuesday so on wednesday sure. he came to vegas i think it was a wednesday something like that right 
Ironically, it was it was uh, well, I don't know if it's ironic, but it was Valentine's Day. But it, th- Valentine's Day has nothing to do with it. But it was Valentine's Day, uh, two thousand one. Yeah. I get the call from Max saying, "Hey, uh, Billy's in town, and I'm bringing him to hear you in the piano bar tonight." And wow. immediately, yeah, I'm like, freaking Holy out. Hell. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, literally wow. having a heart attack. Yeah. So I I'm calling the casino and I'm trying to arrange security and and all this stuff and they're they're so cool about it because they deal with celebs all the time in vegas right? sure I'm yeah yeah in vegas out. it's sort of it's sort of commonplace in a way but. yeah you see i mean we've all seen everybody from whether it's stevie wonder or sure. steven tyler or batman walking around yeah right? and you all sort of hope that some of them are going to come and hang and watch you for a bit or yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but most it, of them just want to line to where they're right. going yeah because it rarely happens right so exactly so so I'm so I'm driving very fast to the casino and and I'm told to go to the back, you know, like where they have the loading docks cuz Billy's not going to come in the front door and sure. And he gets out of the car and he walks towards me and and there he is and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm freaking out but I'm trying to keep my cool and Right. And he's like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Relax. It's all it's cool." <laughs> you could tell I <laughs> yeah, cause was Yeah, cuz he cuz he knows he knows who he is. He knows. Well, he could tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, he could sure. he could tell from my reaction. He, right. You know, he could tell just that I was freaking out a little bit yeah of course. but, but i relaxed yeah. i relaxed quickly we're walking toward the piano bar and he was asking me you know about about this place and what kind of music we did whether it was sure. i mean he didn't really know if we were playing you know this um, see i'm not even good at that <laughs> is that how it goes right, right, right or if yeah. we were playing right sure he, he didn't yeah. know yeah. So, uh, so I'm telling him like, no, it's it's a rock and roll thing, and you know, I said we play a lot of your music, and he looks at me and I'm like, uh huh, and a lot of Elton, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, everything. Yeah, all the piano greats. Yeah, piano greats, and really, I mean, we did everything in there. We we yeah. ACDC on pianos. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's actually the fun fun thing about that that place is that it's like everything. Right? Oh yeah, we it's would do fun, Crazy yeah. Train, you know. Yeah. You know, on piano, <laughs> whatever it takes. Oh, sure. And uh, so, so he came in and he immediately loved it. I mean, he was, he sat really close, probably about seven feet away from my piano. Wow. And I was trying to hold it together. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, there's no way I'm going to sing a Billy Joel song in front of, in front of Billy Joel. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> so I opened with, yeah. with uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting uh, Elton John. Right. And he's like, cool. And then he requested a Jerry Lee Lewis song, and then I played it for him, and I totally hammed it up. And I was playing with my feet, and I playing with my butt and jumping on the piano. And he was funny. like, yeah, he loved it. So for yeah, like an hour, funny. he was just watching me. Awesome. And uh, everyone wanted to hear Piano Man. I'm like, I'm not playing that in front of him. Right, nope. yeah, yeah. But they're just screaming for it. Of course. Yeah, how how first... are they not going to request that when he's sitting there? <laughs> right. Well, of course, their first choice was for him to sing it, but they, I sure, think they knew right. that wasn't going to happen. Right. So I look at him. He's like, ah, go ahead. So I play Piano Man in front of him. Like, wow. I'm like, I, I can't even. You know, and, and it's funny because he uses the, like, like everybody except for me, uses the, the piano holder, the thing that holds the harmonica. Right. And my whole life, I've just done that song in piano bars, and I've never had time to think about that. So I just, yeah, I'll show you. I just, yeah, you just yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. And people right. think it's the most amazing thing in the world. It's the easiest thing. It's like, it's like playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. It's, it's, it's the so magic easy. of harmonica. But even, yeah, but even Billy, when I was doing that, Billy's like, nudging my wife saying, how's he doing without the thing? I'm, I'm How like, funny. I, it's so funny, right? It's, it's, funny. it's so easy. Anyway, if anyone wants to learn, I'll show you how. <laughs> but uh, so he, he was there, and after watching me for an hour, you know, it's a dueling piano bar, right? So there's two pianos right. up against each other. 
Max comes up to me and says, hey, do you want Billy to sit in? I'm like, yes! Are you kidding <laughs> yeah, me? Is that even a question? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I, you know, I, I was just hoping. So he gets on the other piano, and he says, hey, do you know a little help from my friends? I'm like, yes, I do. Oh, cool. So, right. you know, it starts, and he sings the first verse. Yeah, because he doesn't really want to. He sings his tunes all the time. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, yeah. He's. I remember one Sorry. time, another time, I was jamming with him after one of his concerts. And he was on the hotel piano, and whoever was lucky enough to be in the room, they locked the doors to the steakhouse at the Four Seasons sure, here in Vegas. Right. And I remember he said, uh, if you want one of my songs, uh, it's $100,000 a piece. But if you want me just to play, for, that it's free, you know. He does sure, not yeah. want to play his stuff. Yeah, course, he, wants to, like, he, wants, he wants to have fun playing he, other stuff. And, oh, he wants to jam, play Beatles, Elvis. Uh, he loves uh, Steve Winwood. He loves Cream. Oh, he loves right. all that type of stuff. Joe yeah. Cocker. So so we played we played a couple songs at the piano bar and I, everyone's freaking out and by now like we were trying to k- keep it from spreading throughout the casino so there wouldn't be some sort of riot you right. know but the s- casino started caving in so around that yeah, little piano he's, bar I mean I mean he's still a huge star but at that point he's like on top of the world right I mean, Yes just, yes yeah. I mean he's yeah he's I mean he's he's a legend but back then he was still probably even on the radio more than he would be now right so every, right. everybody knows who he is and the whole place is starting to cave in, and there's, we're surrounded by, I don't know, probably a dozen security guards. Yeah. And we, we finished the second song, which was uh, Don't Be Cruel, Elvis. Oh, and he fun. comes up to me, and he says, great to meet you, kid. Gives me a hug and says, I got to go. And I, I wasn't sure if I'd ever seen him again, but I was like, you can right. kill me now. Yeah, you know, I mean, sure. I'm good. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, you know, I was, I was invited to go to both shows uh, over the weekend, Awesome. Unfortunately, I was able to find subs at the piano bar <laughs> because right. I was supposed to work those nights. You're and, like, no, uh, I'm going to the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm, you know, Steve yeah. Byer understood. I'm like, Steve, right. please. No. <laughs> and uh, he was cool about that. And, uh, you know, so I went to the shows and hung out with him backstage before the shows, after the shows. Wow. Right. And like I said, you know, he was staying at the Four Seasons at the time. So And Billy, I mean, he t- I mean, I, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but he's, he's known sort of being as a pretty private guy, right? He's not... Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's what I've seen from the public view of it. But I think he is more lately. I, yes, uh, I would say he's a private guy just because, you know, the paparazzi is who they right. are. Right. Intense. So, yeah. You know, if, and, and if you slip up at all, they're just they're all over you. And they've never yeah. really been. But that it's, nice it's awesome that he let you into that inner circle. Yes. Quickly, know. quickly. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I think, you know, like I said, the first minute i was kind of flipping out but then i relaxed quickly and once we started right. jamming together yeah you're just musicians right then we were just musicians really yeah. like i told people said did you freak out when you played with them i said that's when i relaxed yeah because that's sort of in a way i mean for us it's sort of the great equalizer i mean like exactly. we've all had that experience where we play with big people that we thought we'd never meet right and after after a few minutes you go wow they're just guys <laughs> they're just guys they're yeah. just guys right i mean they're very they're, talented guys but still yeah very immensely legendary talented human beings right exactly they're still yeah. human beings so i just totally relaxed awesome and uh and i stayed relaxed after that so it was uh, you know it, it was great and yeah we became friendly and it was a couple months after that i didn't know there was any type of you know broadway show being worked on right so this, it, this is um the show moving out which mm-hmm. was um how long was that on broadway how, how long was your run uh, it was well, in, including the pre-Broadway run, it was three and a half years. But on Broadway, wow. it was like uh, three years and 
three months, something like that. But yeah. that's a long run on Broadway. It really is. Right. So, so that you had no idea that that was actually even in the mm -hmm. works, right? They, they were working on that. I had no idea. It certainly wasn't called moving out yet. Right. Uh, so Tommy Burns, uh, he was Billy Joel's musical director. I mean, he's still with Billy. He's been with Billy for 31 years now. Tremendous huh. guitar player. He played with Taylor Dane before that and, and yeah. some other artists. Sure. He's in all those Taylor Dane videos from the 80s playing the guitar solos, you know. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, just an amazing but he'd be yeah. he'd be he'd be a great person to get on this show. He's yeah. He's, but we'll, he's we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> yeah, That'd yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah I'll see. I'll I love you because I'm, I'm actually I'm friends online with Liberty Devito, and mm -hmm. I mean that I mean you know the thing about that too in that era with Billy is that obviously he was a major star, but also the guys that were playing with him were all. Yes. I mean, especially guys like Liberty. That there was a lot of guys that were that Liberty, totally Richie Canada, and you know right. Mark Rivera. I mean, these yeah. guys are all friends of mine, and yep. I'll tell you, Liberty, he brought. And, and, and Billy and Liberty had a falling out at some point, and yeah, it's pretty and, well documented. Yeah. And, and I'm not—I don't get in the middle of that. I mean, that actually went sure. down during moving out, like oh, because okay. when when I when I first started doing the the moving out gig and and becoming friends with all the the Billy Joel band members, sure. I was doing like I did a corporate gig with it was with the whole Billy band. It was it was Liberty, it was Mark Rivera, it was Crystal Talia Farrell. She's another amazing, amazing, amazing. I don't know if you've ever seen Billy live, but she's. Uh, She's uh, she plays sax and percussion. And right, she plays yeah. bass and she plays accordion and I mean she's nuts. She's Just, like the ultimate utility. Ultimate. I guess w woman, not guy in her case. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, and also puts on just a great I show just say, and great on stage. Yeah. Great on stage. She's been with him forever. Uh, so we 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 would do gigs together and it was incredible. Ah. But Liberty, I tell you what, he brought to the table. When you listen to like the drum groove on Just the Way You Are, it's not yep. a typical thing. Like he's doing the kick. You know, on yeah. on two and four. Yeah, there was a Ringo. Two. There was a Ringo Starr component to his drumming, where yeah. Ringo. I mean, people like you know, they'll say. Uh, I just uh, saw some people talking about that with Ringo. Greg Bissonette's a great drummer and plays yeah. in his band. And he goes, you know, the thing about Ringo is people like discount him as a drummer, but you have to realize that his parts were the thing. Huge. And and that's the same thing with Liberty. Like the yes. stuff that he played on those tunes Incredible. was. Yeah, it all it all kind of helped bring that all together. He's like, um, I mean, he's like a. I mean, a drum, a drum writer. I, I, I don't know, but like he, he yeah, he's a composer as, really, as well as being a drummer. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, it really makes a difference on those yeah. records. It does, and yeah, it takes it to another level. And I think, I mean, that that's the thing with him. He, all the, his band has always been strong. Even I mean, the current band as well. Killer. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Well, so, his so drummer you're... now is a good friend of mine, Chuck Berge. Uh, oh, okay. He was he was a drummer for Moving Out. He was a drummer for Rainbow. He, pl he oh, played with, wow. he played with Blue Oyster Cult for a little while, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Meatloaf, you know, and he's right. a machine. He's a machine. But he's playing the parts that Liberty wrote. You know, yeah. That's what he's Cuz you have to, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. there's nothing else really would 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 make sense, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. so you so sure you're you're putting together Moving Out. Um you, you move out to New York, which is obviously a huge thing with yeah. you and your your wife, right? And and my um, son at the time, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So your family's growing. Um, so the, what was that like? What was that experience like? You get this call and it's like a life changing. Yeah. Call, well, really, right? well, so I get the call and I, I first thing I do is, uh, you know, I'm told I have to audition for Twyla Tharp and, and uh, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't really know who she was at the time. She's a legend in the dance world. Like you know, right. she she did all the choreography for like Hair and for mm -hmm. the mute movie um, Amadeus and you know a oh. lot of. And and uh, yeah. if you remember, like White Knights from the '80s, all the Gregory yep. Hines stuff, she did all that stuff, right? Yeah, so legendary person, legend, yeah. and legend with New York Ballet. And anyway, so 
And this, this is not just a playing gig and singing gig. It's also an acting gig, right? Well, I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I was kind of the, I was kind of the narrator through song. Oh, okay. You know, so I didn't, I didn't oh, cool. have dialogue. There was no dialogue in the show whatsoever. Interesting. Okay. Because I, I, I mean, I never saw the show. But right. That, that's okay. Cool. It was a different kind of show. So the band was on a was on a bridge, you know, like twelve feet in the air, and then the mm -hmm. dancers would do interpretive dance. So I would be singing about. Anthony, who works at the grocery store, and he was right. one, he was one of the characters, and okay. Brenda and Eddie, they were they were two of the main characters, and and it's interesting because Billy's music is so storytelling, right? Right. So that but, it really lends itself to it does to that kind of a thing. What's amazing is Twyla took all these different stories and made one story out of it. That's right. what's amazing, and she pulled it off. So Brenda and Eddie, you know, the first song, uh, well, the first song was still rock and roll to me. And that was just to kind of set up the show. But after that, it was scenes from an Italian restaurant, which has Brenda right. and Eddie. And so they're, they're a couple. And Eddie's best friend is Anthony, who works at the grocery store. They're best friends. Mm -hmm. So then at the end of the song, Brenda and Eddie split up like, the, like they do in the song. And then Brenda starts hanging out with Anthony from the grocery store, who's Eddie's best friend. So it causes uh, this friction. And it so was this, really... is, this is a good opportunity to ask you to play a little bit of that. <laughs> Sure, sure. So, because I, I kind of rang, I, you weren't expecting me to ask you to do that. But I no, I wasn't. I mean, I, I <laughs> the thing is, I do so many uh, like YouTube and Facebook lives that I'm always set up and ready to go. But yeah, um, so what? A and little we're going to talk about that too because actually that's been super successful, right? It has. Yeah, I, I yeah. you know, it's it's been tremendous and it's been a lifesaver for me. It's it's been keeping me sane because right. if I don't do what I'm born to do, I'm going to lose my mind, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So scenes from a Italian restaurant, you know, starts. A bottle of white, a bottle of red, perhaps a bottle of rosé instead. We'll get a table near the street in our old familiar place. You and I, face to face. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, the thing that's yeah. great about that song, it has all these different parts. It goes to like so a New good. Orleans. Things are okay with me yeah. these days. I got a good job. I got to get off else. I got a new wife. I got a new life. And the family is fine. Oh, lost on so long ago. Lost weight. I did not know. You could ever look so nice after so much time. And then it gets to the Brenda and Eddie with the puppy the steadies and the king and the queen of the prom. Riding around with the car top down on the radio on, you know, so it's... Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting because you hear that song. I mean, I've, I've obviously, I played that tune too with, with some of the tribute guys. And yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, how did he come up with these parts? <laughs> it's amazing, so, right? It's like R&B, it's ragtime. It's like, there's so much going on. It was, I think it was three separate songs originally. Yeah. Like, if oh. he, had the, he had the bottle of red, bottle of white, and then he had the, this part. Yeah. And then he had the Brendan Any part. And I think he decided to somehow put it's, them all it's together. It's sort of like Springsteen in the sense that like Springsteen's songs are these little mini operas, right? Springsteen's an amazing writer. And I, I know yeah. you've played a lot of his stuff too. Right. Yeah. It's it's writer. yeah, I don't you know it was funny because I was never a huge Springsteen fan. Mm -hmm. But once you're playing the music you kind of really you and it was the same thing with Billy, like you get what he's doing. Yes. It's a total storytelling yes. um operatic like it's it's that's I think that's what makes it so powerful, the connection with regular day people, right? I, I agree. You know, when people can you, when you listen to a song and you start picturing a scene or, or something in your head, that's yeah. that's a connection, right? Like e you know, we, we could mention, uh, and I certainly can't play anything by the Eagles, but I can mention the Eagles. 
a, even a song like Hotel California, when you yeah. listen to that first verse, you're picturing the whole thing. It's all going on in your head as you're. It's yeah, all it's, it's, and it's, that you know Billy does that, Springsteen does that, yeah. and that really you know rather than just singing you know I love you and you make my dreams come true. Right. You know we've heard that we've heard that before. Right. I think that's why you know that's even why things like podcasts and spoken word is so powerful because really when that's done right it really gets into your psyche. It gets into yeah. your, your whole, it fires all your senses, right? Um, your imagination and your, that whole thing. It's so powerful. Um, it is. And you know, and sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's funny because like I, I watch a lot of podcasts, you know, whether it's, whether it's yours or whether it's Joe Rogan or whatever, but a lot of times when I'm just listening to it, it's weird. Like it's, it's sometimes it's cool to just listen to it too. Cause my yeah. mind goes certain places, you know, they say like a lot of the podcast listening happens in cars where people are driving, sitting mm -hmm. on the freeway and listening. And, and it kind of takes them away from the regular normal day, everyday thing that we all deal with. Right. I have to do it at night before bed just to clear my mind of, of everything yeah. that's going on. I'll listen to a podcast and, and I can concentrate on that podcast, but I can relax more than I can really do anything else. Like if I listen to music, as much as I love it, like music is my life, right. I'm immediately trying to learn it. Yeah, <laughs> so, and you, it's hard to do that before you go to sleep because for me, like that gets stuck in your head, and it's it hard does. to turn that off, right? Well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what, what did he play there? What, what was that? <laughs> what was the changes? Wait, yeah, wait. Exactly. Or like a lot of guys, like say, like songwriters. I mean, some really famous songwriters will keep a pad next to their bed, and yeah. they have as they're dreaming, they're coming up with these. They when they wake up, they write it down because they'll forget it, right? Billy so does it's that. Like, yeah. yeah, it's your whole process, and that's maybe the maybe the universe giving you a gift. <laughs> and I've done you know? that a few times. Now, I'm, I'm not going to put myself in, in that league at all, but some of yeah. my favorite songs that I've written, actually, I remember one in particular, a song of mine called One Smile, that's on my record. Yeah. Uh, I woke up at like 4 in the morning, and I had an idea, and I had, to, I had to go downstairs, and I had to get up my iPhone voice recorder, and I picked up this acoustic guitar, and I just started playing yeah. and, it, and it you know turned into can you, something can you play a little bit for uh, on the piano for that oh that, that uh, sure it's one of the higher ones all right okay i haven't warmed up yet Let's i know it's early <laughs> here we go one smile can make a difference <laughs> one smile can change it all one smile can make a difference i should have turned the reverb on Okay. So the verse She's the new kid in school from another zip code And her name is a punchline for the other kids' jokes When the lunch bell rings you see her sitting alone And if you're feeling afraid to say hello One smile can make a difference one smile can change it all One smile can make a difference One smile You can break away the sadness Bring some hope to the homeless Make the world a little brighter With one smile You know, then it goes into this yeah. Gospel-y chorus type thing, you know. It's interesting because yeah, I hear Elton, I hear Billy Joel, I hear Michael McDonald. Oh, for sure. We're, we're yeah, you got a little of that, right? Yeah. yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I guess so. You you did the show. The show ended. I mean, actually, in from that show, you actually were nominated for a Tony and a Grammy, mm -hmm. right? It what was. was the category for for the Grammy? 
It was for uh, best Broadway soundtrack. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah so that's and two thousand three, right? Yeah, and you know, with most uh, with most Broadway shows, they nominate the whole cast because the cast, the whole cast right, sings. It's more of a, it's an ensemble. But for me, it was it was it was more of an artist record. Like if you look up wow. a moving out record, sometimes yeah. it'll list me first, comma Billy Joel because I sang the whole thing. I sang every right. song in the show. So awesome. So it was yeah, great. You know, we didn't win. You know, being I, I've said it a million times, being nominated is fantastic, and I've heard that winning is even better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I mean, I, I've interviewed through Jazz in Europe. I, one of the guys I interviewed was Bobby Santabria, who's a really well-known Latin jazz guy. And he has, I think Bobby now has like 11 nominations. But I mean, that's, you know, to even get nominated. And, and like you said, especially in that situation where you're actually personally nominated for a Broadway show is, is pretty, that's pretty amazing. It was amazing. I, you know, like I didn't think the Tony thing was going to happen because, you know, like there's not like a best singer category. There's not right. uh best musician category. It's, it's all actor. So, I mean, I sort of acted, but I was really more of like a narrator. So I wasn't yeah. sure if I would fit in, but you know, luckily I fit yeah, in and I, mean, I was that's, nominated. That's, and it was great. Yeah, and the Tony thing, especially, well, I guess Grammy too, it depends on who you're come up against that year, right? Because if you're yeah. up against, I mean, you could be actually up against Billy Joel or you never, <laughs> no, you never know. We were, up against, gonna... we were up against Hairspray, which when Hairspray opened on Broadway, now I know in, in Vegas it, it was huge. Yeah. Broadway, but on Broadway, it was massive. So, yeah. Moving out, won a couple of Tonys, but Hairspray kind of kind of cleaned up that year. Yeah, clear, that's clear all down. right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you know what that's a good company to be in, no um, doubt, and great people. I was friends with you know with, with right. Harvey and all those people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you started uh, one thing that I mean, a lot of people you have a lot of fans around the world with this your symphony um, uh, performances. How did that come about? Like, I, I mean, would, would you do well, after the after the show closed, moving out closed? You kind of had to look around and say, "Now what?" Right? Right. Was that yeah. Where was that? I did. So when moving out first ended, as tremendous as it was, it was exhausting. So, right. I, I you know, I I kind of wanted to take some time. For the first six months, I just said, "I'm just going to do some corporate gigs," and I wound up getting mm -hmm. a ton of them at the time. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it was great. But I was still thinking, like, what's what's my next chapter? Yeah, because you because you also want to do artistically. You want to figure course. out. Your of course. footing and yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was my agent, my agency out of out of New York. They said, you know, I want to see you sing with a symphony, and I was like, that sounds great. How do we make that happen? Yeah. So they called the New York Pops, and the New York Pops said, well, we're interested. We and I met with them. Wow. But then it came down to who was going to pay for the charts. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's, and that's it it actually right because that's an interesting subject. And I've had, I mean, I've done a lot of symphony gigs with, yeah. with the Queen Show and the Springsteen Show. Yeah. And. Uh, and that's always the thing because people tell me, I want to do symphony stuff too. I'm like, it's way more complicated than that. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, and, you know, it's got, it's become even more complicated the last couple of years. But I, I think, uh, I, th I think one of our, one of our roadblocks may be going away. I'm not sure if you know who I'm referring to, but yeah, yeah, I got uh, you. I, I'm hoping they're going away. But anyway, so uh, the first time I ever performed with the New York Pops, I, I did wind up. They did a, a tribute to the New York Yankees and actually to Neil Sedaka. Oh, and it, it yeah. was at Carnegie Hall, and they asked me to do a couple of songs. So the first time I ever performed with an orchestra was at Carnegie Hall. What a way to get broken wow. in, right? Yeah, and Neil Sedaka's songbook is tremendous. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wanted me to open it with New York State of Mind, so I did that. And then uh, I did uh, Bad Blood, which was a song he did with Elton John which was fun. Huh. And then a cool. lot of other people came in. There were a lot of guest singers, a lot of Broadway performers. Uh, right. 
John Lloyd Young was, was there, and um, I think Sandy Patty was there. And, yeah. and I wound up doing that same gig. Uh, was it, it was either the next year or two years later at Carnegie Hall, and that one Tony Bennett was on. Wow. Uh, so I remember I, for that one, I'm trying to remember, I think I did Moving Out at that one. Mm. And uh, Tony came out and did, he was a surprise. He did Fly Me to the Moon. And yeah. we were all, we were all on good. stage with Tony. Uh, all the perform, it was, it was like the special ending where all of us, that performed earlier were sitting on sure. stage and then he came out and he did fly me to the moon without a microphone it was just yeah. him and his piano player it was incredible he filled up the whole place right and out of everybody on the stage he came up and he shook my hand and i was like this is wow. this this is a moment right now i'm like what yeah. i tell my dad about this and uh yeah. that was incredible so awesome so that's a good way to start off your symphony career that was a great way to start <laughs> off Carter so, Gill and, yeah. but as far as like getting my own shows together i i will be uh forever grateful uh to the indianapolis symphony they're, they're the ones who mm -hmm. approached my management first saying we saw michael on broadway we really liked him we would like to put together a show featuring the music of billy joel um wow and have it and have it be michael's show so and they had all the arrangers actually most of their arrangers were out of new york for Indianapolis, right? They had yeah. everybody, and that's I mean, those Midwest symphonies actually. I mean, we've done the Ohio symphonies, mm -hmm. we've done, I mean, we did the New York and Rochester and all that stuff, but like those Midwest symphonies are very supportive of, of, of not only classical but pop, and they have yeah. a lot of guest artists come in, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, no, it was, it was great. So we, we came in and we were green to the whole this was in 2008, sure. I was green to the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm working with the arrangers, and you know, I remember our first sound check. We were playing so loud, and and my sound man Jim Guthrie <laughs> yeah. cranks up the subs, and I get these orchestra players are looking at us like they yeah. would kill us, right? Right. And we figured it that's out. That's a different. That's a whole different world. <laughs> it is a different world. You know, yeah. I, I used to tell my drummer Johnny, "Bring the Nerf sticks. Bring the yeah. Nerf sticks." And we yeah. should tell people who who your drummer Johnny is. <laughs> Johnny Fedovich. He is. He's he's so cool, right? He, he's a he's, great drummer. He's a great drummer, with. and he's. Everything about him is rock and roll, and he was in the movie Almost Famous, which which is a yep. great movie. It came out in two thousand one, a great movie about touring rock and roll. If you haven't seen it, I, I really recommend it. Yeah, um, he has one of my one of my. Well, he only has actually I think one line in the whole film. It's a it, pretty it's, good one though. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. <laughs> I remember when I met him uh, when he was auditioning to play in my band. When I after moving out, I came back to Vegas. I heard he was in the movie and I said, you know, I've never seen that movie and I've heard it's so it's a, good. It's a great movie. I said, yeah. do you have any lines? He's like, yeah, I got a line. <laughs> and I'm like, what's your line? He's like, you're gonna have to watch the movie and find oh, out. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, yeah. uh, I, I, I recommend everyone watching this to watch that movie because it is, it's a very realistic, I remember talking to Max, Billy, Billy Joel's manager right. about that movie. And he said, that is a very realistic uh, picture yeah. of what it was like in, in the, the 70s because in yep. the 70s max was with uh, bruce springsteen actually oh he was a rigger he was a rigger and then i think he became a road manager and oh, he was kind of working his way up but you know max yeah. had been you know max got a lot of uh do you know who the uh you probably do know this but the who the musical director for that film is it's peter frampton I did not know that. I should yeah, know and, that. And, and there's a there's a scene in the film where these road managers from the different bands are playing cards and they're talking about the different girls that are following and they're trading right. girls, whatever. Right. And he actually plays the road manager for Humble Pie in the film. Really? You know what? He's in the, he's in a wig. He's not, you can't tell it too. I course, should have but. known that. You know, Johnny probably told me that. Maybe maybe I maybe it slipped my mind. Yeah. But so what a anyway, great movie. Fun. Yeah. And like you've had I, the, you've had the same band forever, right? 
I've had I've had most of the same guys forever. Uh, I put this band together in 2006. Now Jamie Hosmer, wow. who's a phenom, right. uh, was not in the band yet. At first, I was going without a synth player because I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm a keyboard player. I yeah, because Jamie's Jamie's a phenomenal singer and, and keyboard player. Yeah, he's he's amazing. But then he's I playing with I, he's playing with John Payne from Asia. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he plays with Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, yep, who absolutely. who are legendary in Vegas. Just yep. a tremendous tremendous 15 piece you know, horn band. Um, but so at first, you know, I, I was working without a synth player. And then in 2007, I was like, you know, I want to be able to get up from the piano and go to the front. And plus I'd like to have all right. the synth parts in there. Mm-hmm. So I saw Jamie and I, and I was like, wow, I sure. The first time I saw him, he was playing with Clint Holmes, actually. When Clint right, was, he was another run. fabulous, yeah, amazing tremendous, singer. tremendous yeah. world-class entertainer. I mean, if you want to know how to work a room, go see Clint Holmes. Yeah. He, he will, he will, He's incredible, incredible storyteller, singer. Uh, so Clint was doing his long run here in Vegas, and he decided he wanted to work on other stuff, and Jamie became available. So wow. I added Jamie to the band, and, and Jamie's really become my right-hand man. He really awesome. has. Yeah, uh, and he's, I mean, the thing about Jamie, he's, I mean, he's a consummate musician, but um, he's also just a good guy, right? And I think, I mean, all your guys are good guys, which Jamie, makes, a, yeah, di- makes a huge difference, right? They're all good guys, but Jamie, I tell people, I swear, Jamie Hosmer, one day a month must be a serial killer because no one is that nice all the time. <laughs> There's something going You're on that we to don't tell know. Anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and actually, I, I I will say this right now: Jamie has his own album coming out, yeah. um, December mm-hmm. 1st, called Comfortable Shoes. Check He's also out. doing a lot. Of, been doing a lot of live streams lately. So. Yeah, he has. He has. Yeah, we'll put. We'll actually put a link to his uh, his social stuff on. Oh, in, that's in great. Yeah. yeah, He's such a good guy. Such a great artist. So talented, and. Uh, so the only the only guy that's changed really in all those years, um, my guitar player James Olison, who's a great guy. He plays with the mm-hmm. Spasmatics. Yeah. Right now he's he's one of my very few working musician friends in town. He's playing with Queens of Rock. Oh, awesome. Uh, he did MJ Live for a long time. Um, yeah. At the Strat, and he's been in my band now for about three and a half years, and he's just a killer dude. Billy V is my bass player. He, Billy's yeah. been Billy's another. Uh, Johnny Fedovich and and Billy, they're also Ohio guys. But the funny thing is, I never oh. knew them when I was in Ohio. I got to know right. them after. Yeah, there's a lot of Ohio guys in Vegas. I mean, there there's I mean, there's a lot of great great musicians that came out of Ohio. So yeah, well, there's great musicians from everywhere. But I remember my oh, yeah. uh, my one buddy, uh, doing piano buddy Chris Nelson. He's like, what's up with all these Cleveland guys? I'm gonna have to get some sort of spray. <laughs> it's the home of rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's a home of a lot of snow. Except, except and, for Memphis. <laughs> yeah, Memphis. You know, no yeah. no disrespect to my hometown of Cleveland, but uh, Memphis. Yeah, sun, is, sun, sun Records. You know. Yeah. You can't ignore them. Can't ignore um, them. <laughs> so um, obviously, right now, because normally you guys, how many shows do you average a year with the symphony show? Well, I would say between the symphony and the and the private events, somewhere between 100 and 150, something like yeah, that. Yeah, which so, is a heck of a lot. It's a lot because you know a lot of times we'll we'll go to a city, and we'll do one show or we'll do two shows, and then right. you know, then we fly home for a couple of days and then we fly yep. out again. So it's a yeah, lot of airplanes. Yeah, you're flying in, flying out. Yep, that's that's your whole year on planes. <laughs> I never yeah. thought I would miss the travel and and the whole airport experience, but I even miss that now. I even do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, me too. Yep. And, and for a while, I did I did this little vlog. Uh, I, I called it Everyday Rockstar, just just to try to give us some sort of title, you know. And it, and it was we did a hundred episodes, and it was us in the airport at Soundcheck. It was so much work, but yeah. I'm glad I did it because it's 
if, if nothing else, it's something for me to show my grandkids someday. Yeah. When I, when I was with, um, actually that's part of the reason why I started, you know, I do photography and video stuff. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I did that because people like, they think it's a certain thing when you're traveling and doing shows, they only see the show part, mm-hmm. but there's actually so much that goes into that, um, with the crew, with the travel, with the flights. Oh, um, when is. I was with Gary Puckett, we were doing like 15 dates a month, which was a yeah. lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, that's, a lot of flying. That's one hotel to the next, pretty much. Yeah, right? yeah. Out of and then I was, and I was also his road manager, so I'm coming home, and it's like it never ends, as you know, running because you're running a business. It's yes. a big business. So you, when no you come question. home, you're doing you're doing advancing the next shows. And oh yeah, road whole, manager. That's yeah. man, that's a tough gig. I mean, that's that's yeah. a lot of stuff. You know, I, I have I have two guys. I have my my main manager, Greg Peters, and he's everything from, you know, a manager, road manager, accountant everything right. right and then i have my production manager jim who advances all the stuff yeah. and it's you know when it's a we're, big job it's a big job you know and every time he has to call me and tell me well they don't have the piano you want i'm like okay what do they got <laughs> you know and, and I'm or they always, don't have a piano <laughs> or, or they don't have like i'm sitting on a drum throne right now right like right i like i like them better than piano benches because i like to be up a little higher you'd be amazed yeah. how hard it can be to get a drum throne and like we'll be playing a major city like Chicago. Sorry, there's no drum thrones. What? There's no- really in all of Chicago. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I get an Uber and I go to Guitar Center yeah. and I buy a drum throne. Here you go. Well, it's you funny know. about that is people make fun of musicians for being like picky about stuff. But what they don't realize is like when you're doing that many shows a year, the last thing you want to think about is what you're sitting on, right? I'm telling you, <laughs> I you just want it to be like how it I, I get these stools and they're like. I'm like, so if this bass falls off of this stool, comes off, what's going to happen to me, right? Exactly, yeah. And I remember we were playing, it was me and Johnny, we were playing somewhere, I don't know, maybe it was the Virginia Symphony, and it very well could have been a different one, I have no idea, to tell you the truth. And there was one good throne, and me and Johnny, we both wanted <laughs> it, to, man. He had to fight over the throne. And That's I'll funny. be honest. How funny. The first night, I let him have the good throne, and I think I sat on like a, a timpani stool or something, you know? And then... When it happened again, I was kind of like, all right, Johnny, you get me a gig and you get payback. Yeah, it's payback. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the little things that people, it's funny, people will think it's a big deal, but they think that we're we're crazy to make a big deal out of it. Right. We're we're performing, we're going on stage and we're putting everything we have. Because all those little things become distractions and you don't want to, you want to focus on doing what's there for the audience, right? We're already like in different time zones, trying to wake up, trying to get a voice together, trying to get my hands to cooperate. And listen, I'm not- And and you're going on stage, you can't make any mistakes. So you don't need, you don't need all the other peripheral stuff. So, you know, and, and I'm not complaining because I, I would choose what I do a hundred yeah. times out of a hundred times. You know, absolutely. I, I absolutely would. But yeah, we're all we're blessed to be able to do what, what we do. There's so. no question. I mean, when, when we're on stage, you know, I tell people I, I, I play music for free and, and I get paid to stand in airport lines. You know, that's exactly <laughs> right, um, right you, in, you've been doing uh, you've been doing your live streams because of the situation. And that's actually become. Um, really successful. We've been working on that a little bit together. From, from you've been helping me aspect. so much, man. I appreciate it so much. I mean, you you've been you've been a big ally, and I pre- you're really helping it catch on. I appreciate. Well, that. the thing for me, what I like doing is, I mean, you're obviously very well established, but it's nice to help broaden your reach because there's people that still don't don't know what you do, and you're so good at what you do, and the, and also the live streams are just they're quality and they're fun. Um, and yeah. so how did, how did that, what, what kind of motivated you to, I guess, obviously, because you want to perform, but just to, you had to put all the lighting, you had to put the whole thing together. And- yeah, well, I got to tell you, at first, I was scared to do it. Like, I, I wanted to start live streaming, 
honestly, like two, three years ago. I wanted to, and I was afraid to because I literally felt like, okay, the whole world is listening to my monitor mix right now. Exactly. It's so direct. You're very naked. And and I've gotten over it. Like, I mean, I just sang a few minutes ago, and then my voice cracked, ah, whatever, right? Because I've learned people people don't mind you being human, right? So Exactly. But it was it was flipping me out. Like our you know, our friend Brody, uh, the same the same way, the first couple live streams he did, he was freaking out. And the guy is so good. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of technical stuff you can't really control. There right? is. Like for well when when COVID first hit, right? Like just trying to get the setup together was almost impossible because you couldn't right. get any gear. You couldn't get anything. Yep. So I had my basic studio set up, but I'm like, okay, well, how am I gonna get that online? So then I I, I try to order this iRig thing for, for my phone yeah. and I plug it into there. But it took me like, I don't know, two and or three, like it, three it weeks to get works, that. And, yeah, right. and it sort of worked, but you, there's really no way to see the level. So you either got green light or red light. Those, yeah. That's your level, right? So yeah. if I'd have green light, people are like, it's way too soft. I can't hear you. Then I get it to the red light. It's distorting. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Because that's the thing. If you're going to do it, you want, you want people to, want, you want it to be a real authentic representation of, of what you're yes. doing. Right? Because you know what? People don't necessarily know why they like something or they don't know yeah. why they think it sounds good, but right. they just know they like it or they don't. Yep. And, and I have friends of mine that do the streaming thing and, and they have a, a messy room. I mean, like, some friends yeah. of mine, God bless them. Uh, and, and they might be watching this. Yeah, we were just but, talking about that. <laughs> but you know, it's I, I, you know, if if you have a messy room, do a green screen or just push your stuff out of the camera because like yeah. this desk looks totally clean. Because in it's that not, in that situation, it all it, it's all representing you, right? It represents it who you are, who you are is. I mean, if you're you're obviously you're professional, so that's part of your brand, and you want to be you want it to be like. I have my fake virtual studio here, but it's amazing. But it's you know that that's, you me that's all part of the deal. Yeah, it's all part of the deal, though, right? You had me full. Yeah. So when I started, I was using my phone, and like I was dealing with everything from like I would start the episode and then my phone would ring. Ah, right. you know. Yeah. yeah. And then so then I I wound up getting one of my old phones, like an iPhone Seven, and that yeah. didn't look as good. I'm like, what am I gonna do? Do I go? Do I do the whole DSLR thing? So I said, okay, yeah. I'll give it a shot. Well, now I've got to get this thing called a Cam Link, right? And you couldn't find those; like they were all sold out. So this thing yeah. that's normally a hundred bucks, I find some guy on OfferUp and I pay like two hundred and thirty dollars for a Cam Link. <laughs> so I plug yeah. that in and it works. Now I can't get the audio routed the right way, and so it's been a learning process. But yeah, and I think I think everybody because obviously the live streaming thing has become a huge thing during the COVID era, yeah. and uh, and I think sort of everybody. I mean, I went through exactly the same thing you're right. talking about. Trying to get I'm, it to I'm work. Fort- yeah, because I'm fortunate. Like I just got this new Sure mic, um, and I've been working with them since last year. And cool. uh, and what's awesome is a lot of these companies now are making stuff that makes it a lot easier to to get. Yeah, like I have a thirty dollar ring light and a Sure yeah. mic and a laptop, and I'm good. It, it, um, actually, it looks and sounds great. That mic is cool. I mean, I, I that's a USB mic, right? You know what's actually awesome? And I'll I'll kind of show you. It's USB and also XLR. Uh, XLR. Oh, so that's use, great. That's versatile. It's the only mic I found that you can actually do that. So you can actually use this to record, um, you know, instruments. You could use it as a regular recording mic, and this is based on their Seven B. It's kind of a legendary broadcast. So I mean, that's the mic, right? That's the mic everybody's using. This is yeah. a sure, the good yeah, old SM fifty eight with a clown nose on it. You know, that's but. what I was. T- I mean, not to do like an overly do like a product thing, but um, what I told the guys when I was talking to them because the guys, the main people are actually in UK as far as marketing, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, the thing about that company about Sure is that their microphones are in every church and school and almost in the world, which is amazing. 
<laughs> and I'll tell you what, this thing, you could you could play baseball with it and, and like exactly. hit it with a yep. baseball back across across the yard and it'll still yeah. work and sound. Yeah, great. we've all we've all had our, our fifty eight S and fifty eights and all that There's stuff. No doubt about it. Um, so what's what's in the future? I know um, you're still you're songwriting, you're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's in your like sort of immediate plans? Well, I, I'm, I'm getting the itch to write again. It, it's been a minute, you know, like uh, I worked so hard on my album. I literally, because I did all of it in here. The only thing I, I had Pepe uh, play drums on it in his drum studio. Yeah. Pepe, he used to play with Santana. Pepe Jimenez, was, yeah, yeah. Played yeah. with Santana. He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, the thing was, I, w- I was locked in this room. And what I've learned was, even though it really did turn out the way I wanted it to, I spent too much time locked in a room by myself, and there were times yeah. that I, I I got too detailed with things that just didn't matter. Yeah, because uh, sometimes you can kind of kill the spontaneity and the spirit, yes, right? If you over, yes. over overthink it, I guess. But. So I spent like three and a half years making that album. I literally, but oh, I wow. mean, and now the, the other reason why it was took so long is because I was traveling so much, right? So right. I would I would come home from a long you know run of gigs with symphonies or, or whatever, and be like, I'm trashed. I'm not doing anything for the next three days. And then right. it's like, oh, well, now I got to go back your, to the airport. And you, and you got your family and all yeah. that stuff too, right? I've got yeah. my, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and the one thing that's been great for me is that even though I'm not the typical nine to five dad, when I am home, I could be the most hands-on dad out there. I could chaperone field trips and and, right. and do all those things. But uh, so, and and actually, you know, when I when I started really getting serious about writing, I took a couple lyric writing courses from Berkeley uh, and. Oh. and Interesting. And I got to yeah, tell you. They have a great great online series, right? Ch- yes. I took two yep. lyric writing classes. Changed my life as a writer. Really did. Oh, John great. Mayer took one of them himself uh, oh. and and still uses the textbook. He said literally it, it sits he says it sits on the back of his toilet, this book called oh, uh, Writing Better Lyrics. And he said he still he still uses it all the time. Awesome. So, uh, so I, I got really into writing every day. Like it was something I had to do every day. And really, that's the best way to, to do it. It's like yeah. it's like because it is it's a craft you have to learn, right? It's a craft. If you want to play yeah. bass like Daryl Harris, you got to play <laughs> every day, forever, you and then maybe you'll get halfway lot. there. <laughs> you'll get halfway there, maybe. But yeah. it, but it, it's like anything else. So I, I was so into it, and I, you know, I was so I don't know. I put so much into that album. I took a break, but now I'm kind of getting the itch to start again. Yeah. And I and I think what I'll do is I'll just start writing every day again, and then maybe six months from now I'll have some stuff that I want to record. Awesome. And then other than that, you know, we're kind of just waiting on this whole COVID thing to see what happens. Obviously, yeah, I know. We all, yeah, we all out, are. We all want to get out there and, and play again. But I'm so thankful to this live streaming thing. And and you know, it's not it's not about uh, money. Uh, fortunately, you know, I've always been a good saver. Thankfully. Yeah. And and but it has turned into some really cool uh, virtual virtual gigs that I've done. I've probably yeah. done about you know ten or twelve virtual galas or virtual corporate awesome. gigs. Yeah. And I do them from right here. You know, I'm always ready yeah. to go, so it's great. Yeah, the world. I mean, the world for that stuff has really obviously changed. I mean, not only because of COVID, but just technology. Right? It's just yeah. connected us all in different ways. That we and I think and and and. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, I always look for the silver lining. And I think the silver lining is, first of all, I'm now that I can perform in front of these cameras looking at me, to me, that's way harder than performing on stage. So it, I've actually right. gained confidence as a performer. Yeah. And, and the whole technical thing, like, for example, Jamie with his uh, CD release next week, he's doing a virtual CD release, and he's having everyone who played – on the album, come in as guests. You know, I, I play a lot of ama- amazing musicians. Oh, yeah. tremendous, right? And yeah. 
But I'm thinking, like, that's a really cool thing. Like, the next time I yeah. put out a CD, I think that's actually better than a than a CD release party at, at some at some venue where only a few people can come. Exactly, because you're reaching. I mean, that's something that I always, you know. I mean, obviously the Vegas situation scene is is cool, but like that's something I've always kind of like related to people is like, you know, you you put this effort of you know forth like like that to do like a CD release party, yeah. and why not put you're going to put the same amount of effort? Why not make it global? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I mean, now that you I'm know. doing this streaming, it's amazing. Every episode, I have people from Australia, yeah, from South Africa, from Japan. Yep from uk i it's it's awesome it's yeah so cool. and i mean that's i mean that's part of been the power of our music pages our global we have music crowns and and uh bass and guitar love on facebook and those pages between both of them have seven over seven million that's music incredible that's that incredible. follow them so and there's people from around the world so that's the awesome thing about sharing what you're doing on those pages because it gives people a chance to actually hear you appreciate and that. i think that that's yeah yeah it's all good but I, I think that that's um you know that's kind of where that's the future Right. I mean, it's it sort really of the is. now and the future. <laughs> and I'm looking so forward to where I could, you know, be doing a gig in Kentucky and I can say, yeah. hey, everybody, it's great to meet you. If you want to get to know me even more this Tuesday night, I'll be on YouTube and Facebook Live. Right. And yep. you can hear more about me, more stories, more And they can, they can follow songs. you and keep yeah. up with you. And, you yeah. really build something, you know, which yep. is which I'm excited. So I'm very excited about combining. I would say when it comes to the future. I'm always excited about writing more songs, but I'm exciting about combining this world that I've discovered through COVID and right. the world I've known forever of live performance and putting them together. I think it's going to sure. be great. So tell us um, how people can find you online, like the live stream and, and all that stuff. Okay, so, well, my website is michaelcavanaugh.com. It's Cavanaugh with a C. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I wish I would have picked an easier last name. I really do. But <laughs> it's a name I was born with. What can you do? I don't. <laughs> yeah, Daryl Harris. See, it's perfect. It's two first names. It's perfect. But anyway, yeah. so C A V A N A U G H. That's my last name. Dot com, and then on Facebook, if you just if you type in Michael Cavanaugh, you know, a picture of me is going to show up. And YouTube, the same thing. Uh, I think my video. I, I think it might be called Cavanaugh Video, but if you type in mm -hmm. Michael Cavanaugh on YouTube, it's going to show up. And right now, every Tuesday and every Friday at five thirty, uh, most weeks, sometimes the schedules change a little bit. Uh, because of life, but in general, those are the times, and I go live, and I, t I take requests, and I really try to awesome. interact with the people. I play, I would say I play about, I'd say it's about 25% original, um, you know, maybe 10%. Yeah, and you're playing, you're playing guitar and piano and playing singing. Playing guitar like, and it's piano, still fun. Yeah. and I, you know, and uh, every once in a while, I have a guest musician. Now, I've, I've actually set up this other side of the studio mm -hmm. uh, for it's really set up well. I've got, I've got, I've just added all the lighting and other monitoring yeah, over there. You have your, um, actually too, you're, we were talking about that. You have your daughter who's a fantastic young singer. She really is. Joins you. Yeah. She really is. So she joins me a lot when I can get her, you know, she's, awesome. she's 17 and she's I know got, you got to call her agent and have her. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I'm telling you, but I'm going to have Jamie Hosmer over here again, pretty soon. And awesome. I, I want to see how many people I can cram into this little room. <laughs> well, I mean, we got to be careful because of COVID, right? But right, I've, yeah. I've got a good, I've got a good six feet uh, between here and over there, and I actually, I had to put some other speakers over there because you know it's funny that short little distance of six feet affects the timing. It's crazy because I have my yeah. studio monitors here, and I right. remember when Jamie came over the last time, he would be playing piano, I'd be over there playing guitar, and he's like, "Why is Mike dragging?" And then we would switch, <laughs> and I would play I'm piano, he play guitar, and I'd be like, "Why is Jamie dragging?" Why is Jamie dragging? That's funny. Yeah, funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's those little technical things, but uh, I think I yeah, know. We'll, I, I get I get nerdy. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. So we'll put um, we'll put links to Michael's um, 
all of your social, how they can find you. We'll put some links to Jamie's stuff too, so people can find him. Um, do you want to uh, want to play us out on the song? And actually, I want before we do that, <laughs> think about that for a second. Um, I want to thank you so much for for joining us. Um, thank you. We've been we've been friends now uh, for a little while, and yeah. uh, and actually, one of you actually offered to pick me up at the airport when we just barely got to know each other. And yeah. that was a really, that was a really cool, cool uh, thing for you to do. Oh, no problem. But, uh, but um, yeah, you're like, what I like about you is you're a genuine, honest, straight ahead guy. And, and, um, and the music world, you know, that's, that's not easy to find. So um, right back at you, yeah. man. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. If you want to play us out for a song, that'd be awesome. Sure. I might turn the reverb on. I might yeah, turn do the, that. <laughs> why not? Right. Yeah. See, now I, I feel our, so much better. There you go. Yes. All right. Let's see. Uh, it's your choice. Play something familiar? Yeah, whatever. It's up to you. Oh, uh, let's see. You, no you, pressure. No pressure. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play an Elton John song. How about that? Okay, perfect. Awesome. Don't sit away. Don't look at it like it's forever Between you and me I can honestly say Things can only get better While I'm away Just how the deep ones inside It won't be long before you and me in our hearts we high And I guess that's why they called it the blues Time on my hands Could be time spent with you Laughing like children Living like lovers Rolling like thunder Under the curtain Children living like lovers, and I guess that's why they call it the blues. Nothing like children living like lovers, and I guess that's why they call it the blues. And I guess that's why they call it the blues. Awesome, thank you so much, Michael. Thanks, man. Have an awesome day. You too. Thanks for joining us and please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.